right, what's going on, Faith Church? It's great to see everybody here, man. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Steve Husky. As most of you in this house know, this is home base to you, so we're glad that you are here. To all of our first-time guests, man, thanks for showing up here at Faith Church. We hope today, for all of us, whether you're new or this is where you are most Sundays, we're glad that you're here, and we trust that God is going to do something radical in and through your lives. And so I want to welcome those who are watching online. Let's give them some love. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hey, listen, before we jump into the message, I just want to take a few minutes to make a strong appeal. One of the things that we love to do here is we love to see what God is doing week in and week out. And for the last six and a half years, we've just continued to grow. In fact, depending on when you got on board here at Faith Church, some of you have been here for years and years, in fact, decades. Some of you maybe have only been here for a few months. But we have been, for the last several years, one of the fastest growing churches. In fact, we grow at about 18% a year. We, we grow anywhere from two to 400 people every single year. And so we love to see God do that. We love to see new faces come. But as our church grows, the needs of the house grows. Financial needs grow. And this is not an appeal for money, so don't get nervous. We're glad, man, that God meets the needs of this house. Thank you for your generosity. But the needs of the house grows, not just financially, but most of you know this, walking in, we literally every Sunday have hundreds of volunteers that serve all over this campus to make all of the many ministry needs happen from our hospitality, our guest services, our kids center, our production, coffee, uh, everything we do here. It happens uh, mostly by volunteers. And so um, we hate to ask people or beg people to serve. We are grateful to have hundreds of volunteers to participate. But because our church continues to grow, one of the key areas that grows and we're grateful for is our kids' ministry. Now, I'm going to tell you, every week we have guests, and every week this is a message we hear. We hear people come because it's friendly. We have people come because they say they love the music. We have people come because the pastor's amazing. I hear that quite a bit. And, uh, but one of the things that we hear, truly, one of the things that we hear almost more than anything else is that young families come and they come back because of the incredible kids' ministry. We have a great staff. We have a state-of-the-art facility. We have hundreds of volunteers. And each and every week, we have kids that leave who beg to come back because it's such a great experience. However, because the church is growing, the kids' ministry is growing, you may or may not know this, but on any given week, we have about 500 children that show up in our kids' center. I know, right? It gives me an anxiety attack too. That's why I stay up on this end of the building. And so um, the quality, the quality of our kids' ministry is not just determined by the quality of our kids' ministers. It is determined in part by the quantity. And so while we are doing okay, really as our church grows, we just need more volunteers. We need more volunteers. And so if you're here and you are not involved, you're not plugged in, you're not serving, I just want to extend not just an invitation, I really want to extend a challenge for some of you to step up and find your place. Now listen, if you are not involved with kids and kids not your thing, that may not be where you fit and that's okay. I do want to tell you, you don't have to work directly with kids to be involved in kids ministry. We have parents and people that just check kids and out. Again, you got to imagine hundreds of kids checking out while hundreds of new kids check in from service to service. And so you, there are plenty of places where you can serve in kids ministry without really directly being involved with kids. So if you are not involved, I want to challenge you. I want to ask you, some of you in this room need to step up. And I'm here to ask you today, here's how you can do it simply by doing this. You can take out your smartphone and text to this number, 97000. If you'll text the word faith kids, then it'll, you'll go into a database and we, someone from kids ministry will reach out to you and take you through the process. Now, if you're here and you're like, wait a minute, pastor, is this how we get people to work with our kids? I just want you to know just because you sign up doesn't mean you will let you serve. We are very careful with who we allow around our children. Every person is background checked. We do a local state and 
and federal background check. We make sure everybody involved with our kids are not only safe, but we make sure they're trained. But it's a, it's a challenging process, but a necessary process to have a great church and a great kids ministry. Is anybody here thankful for the kids ministry we have? So... If you're, not here, if you're here and you're not serving, or if you're here and serving and you're willing to serve at another level, I just want to ask you to grab your smart device. I give you permission to ignore me for the first two minutes of my message while you sign up. And, uh, but don't think, hey, someone else will do it. We need some people in this house today. If you're watching online, you can't be here. You can still do this. Text Faith Kids, all one word, to 97000, and we'll get you through the process. Amen? Okay, well, hey, listen, we are going to step into the last week in a message in a series entitled, When God Goes Dark. Most of you who've been here through this series so far, what we're talking about are the seasons in our lives where we feel like God goes dark, where we feel like God's abandoned us. We know God loves us. It's clear from his word, but we've all been through those times. Some of you may be right here today. Maybe you're in one of those times where like you feel like you're praying and God's not answering you. Like you're praying and God's just not answering. Maybe you feel like God's just totally ignoring you. And we go through these seasons where God goes silent and we get frustrated and we get discouraged. And so the purpose of the series is to say, hey, how do we manage those times? How do we navigate the times where we feel forgotten? where we feel like God has forsaken us or abandoned us, what do we do in the difficult, dark nights of the soul? And so through this series, if you've been here week one, we said this, that you can't have amnesia. Amnesia is not an option. We have to remember God's faithfulness, that God has been so good to us in our past. God has done so many great things. Come on, somebody, in our lives, he has showed up in the past, which means God's going to be faithful to show up in our future. Does anybody here know that God's shown up for you? Come on and give him some love. So not only are we called to remember his faithfulness, Pastor Adam said in week two that we should really remember as well his promises. That There are over 7,000 promises in God's word and sometimes to get us through those difficult seasons of silence. One of the best things you can do is find a promise that speaks to you about who God is, about what God promises to do, and to hang on to know that, man, God is faithful. If God said it, God's going to do it. If God spoke it, God's going to perform it. So we just need to hang on to not just what he's done in our past, but the promise of what he'll do in our future. And then last week, it was a challenging message, I think, for all of us, but we said that sometimes God is silent because the problem's on our side. That in reality, we said it last week this way, that sometimes it's our sin that triggers God's silence. Isaiah, the prophet, made it very clear that God chooses to remove himself or cut himself off at times. That when we continue to walk in sin and rebellion and iniquity, that God responds by going silent. And so the promise last week was that, that, uh, that confession clears the way to our relationship. And so, man, if you've been in a season where you just, man, haven't been serving God, been rebellious, God says, man, if you'll come and confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And so today as we close this series, I want to go kind of a little different direction in a way that I hope, man, God will draw all of us into another level. And just to say this, here's, here's where we're going to go through this whole message if you're taking notes. The silence on, on God's part might come from a lack of sentiment on our part. And let me say that again as we hang here for a minute. Again, silence. Sometimes God will go silent. Sometimes God will feel distant because silence on God's part might come from a lack of sentiment on our part. Now, this last week, some of you guys, I've been talking about it's coming, and some of you may have heard this past week. Sean and I, we did finally celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. We've been married for 25 years. 
And I just want to tell you how it went down because it was really amazing. My wife, absolutely unbeknownst to me, I had no clue, no idea. The goal was I was going to come in and just work half a day on Monday, and my wife and I, we were going to go to Nashville for Monday night and Tuesday. Uh, we was going to get our melting pot on. Come on, woo, melting pot. And we were going to get a, get a hotel room. Come on, hotel room, woo. And we were just going to spend some time together and love each other. It was going to be a great time. So I came in. I handled some meetings Monday morning, again, absolutely unbeknownst to me. We have a conference room upstairs where we, where we handle kind of staff business. We also have a small conference room over here. And some of the staff for this final meeting said, Pastor, let's meet downstairs. So I thought that was weird, didn't think anything about it. So we wandered down here. When the meeting was over, I walked out of this door out here, had no clue. And my wife, for the last several months, has been planning this event. We walked out, all of my staff, our board members, our small group that we do life together with. We were part of two small groups. Some of them were here. Walked out about, about 60, 70 people here. My wife standing beautiful on the platform. Pastor Adam led my wife and I for us to, to recommit our, our, our vows, 25 years. Some of my staff stood on the platform. I'm telling you, I cried like a little baby. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, like I was just shocked. I was stunned. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. But man, I, if you would have told me about it, I probably would have said, oh, that's cool. But having experienced it, I'm telling you, it's, it is, it's like it's one of my life memories. I mean, it was just so awesome. And it made the night in the hotel room even sweeter. <laughs> it's just awesome. Now, listen, now, if, imagine if you're there. So, right, imagine if coming up onto the platform and, and me exchanging vows with my wife. Now, imagine when Pastor Adam said to me, now, Steve, do you take Shauna all over again? What if I'd have said, yeah, whatever. I mean, I guess. Sure. Now, imagine, imagine if she would have said that to me. I mean, if I have to, no, here's the thing, man, in that moment, my wife and I, we got to really share and to experience what all of us in this room want. I can tell you one thing that's true about all of us that I experienced in that moment or all of us experienced through life is that all of us have a deep longing to be loved. All of us. It you might be called to be celibate your entire life. You might already be married. You might be speaking, uh, seeking a significant other, but it's true for all of us, no matter your age, all of us have a deep longing to be loved. And I want to say as we jump into the beginning of this message that the same is true in the romantic heart of God. Now think about it. The reason you and I have this idea of love on the inside of us is because we've been created in the image of God. Like you didn't spring from a lake from a single cell organism and crawl onto the shore. I believe that God's created us and God, when God created us, God created us in his image, which means part of who he is rubbed off on who we are because we were made by him, which means because God is love, we also, now this is important, we just don't have the capacity to love. All of us in this room have the desire to be loved, which means that God himself has a desire and a longing to be loved. I want to say this on the front end of this message, that God wants to be pursued by you. Do you know the Bible tells us that God is a jealous God? God is jealous over you and over me, that when anything else has our affection or something else has our attention beyond him, do you know it hurts and it grieves the heart of God? Because again, he's a God who longs to be pursued by us, who longs to be pursued by you and I in a deep relationship with God. So when we talk about God, what do we mean by God? You can go to maybe a lot of sources in this world, a lot of people's opinion on to, uh, how to define God. But for us as Christ followers, as people of faith, we go to God's word. 
We go to the Bible to figure out who God is because here's what the Bible is. The Bible is a revelation of who God is, of who we are, and God's plan to save us. From cover to cover, end to end, old covenant, new covenant, this is what the Bible is. It's a revelation of who God is, of who we are, and God's plan to save us. And as you move through this idea like God never changes, God, his, he's always the same, but his revelation, how God's revealed who he is, is like it's this progressive revelation. Like he didn't lay it all on the line out of the gate. He slowly revealed who he is. And for a few minutes, I want to just kind of walk you through some of the ways that God has revealed himself, right? Because listen to this, his revelation gives us definition. Again, as he's revealed himself to us, it's defined who we are. So let's talk about some of the ways that God has revealed himself to us, how he's shown us who his nature is, what his character is. Right out of the gate, Genesis, right in the beginning, God reveals himself that he's God and we're not. Y'all, some of you need to shout this one right here. He's God, come on, say it, and we're not. One of the things it teaches us is just worship. Like God is big and holy and awesome and we're not. And so it teaches us in revealing who he is, in revealing who we are. Like it teaches us this idea that like part of what we're called to is just to worship God. But God doesn't leave us there like he's just God out there, that he's just this big something out there. God continues to reveal himself to us. And God goes on and he reveals himself this way, that he's the owner and we're his servants. Like all the way through the Old Testament, like there's this idea that the, the, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, God's people in the Old Testament, like they get it. Like God is God and we're not. And so God is the owner. It's all his. And my life is, is spent on serving God. And this idea carries over into the New Testament, right? We get this idea, Paul, continue, the Apostle Paul, he continues to say things like this, I'm a servant of Christ, I'm a servant of God. Like, and so part of our life, when we understand that God owns it all, like we belong to him, he's our God and we are his people, that we are here for his glory, not ours. We're here to serve him, not just our life, our agenda, our goals, but our highest calling is to serve God. Come on, somebody. And we get that because God revealed himself that he's the owner. It's all his, including me and you. But then he goes on and he keeps, he keeps peeling back the layers and he keeps showing us more and more who he is to help us understand more and more who we are. And then he goes on and he gives us this one. This is a good one, that he's a shepherd and we're a sheep. It gives us this idea like when I figure out that God's a shepherd, like I'm not in this thing alone. We all live this journey trying to make it, trying to get ahead, trying to open the right doors, trying to get into the right school, get the right degree, get the right career that we feel like it's all on us to make it happen. But God showed up. He said, hey, no, no, I'm your shepherd, which means we're not in this thing alone. God has come alongside of us, and he promises to provide what we can't provide, to do what we can't do, and he's not just our provider. He's our protector. He's fighting for us. He's on our side. Come on, somebody. God is with us, and we're not in this journey alone. We have a good shepherd who's with us, who's watching over us. And so God shows up. He says, hey, I'm not just God. And I'm not just God up here where you just have to come serve me. He says, I'm your shepherd. I'm here to provide and protect, which again gives us this great idea of, again, of not just who he is, but who we are. Then we get in the New Testament and we get another revelation, another picture, another snapshot of who God is. And Jesus, for the first time, introduces that God is not just God and he's not just the owner and he's not just a shepherd, but he's a father. And then we're his sons. 
This is so big because it teaches us position. Teaches us like when Jesus came and said, hey, God is a father and you're his children. Like all of a sudden it teaches us something because servants have to earn the approval of their masters. But when you're a child, like you don't have to have to earn. Come on, everybody here. You can, you can beat your kids when they need discipline and you still love them. Come on, you can send them to the room, but you still love them. They can make mistakes, but you still care for them. How many people in this room understand that what God is trying to teach us is no matter how many mistakes you make, no matter how far you far, no matter how far you fall, God loves us all the same because we're not trying to earn God's love. We already have it because we're not just servants, we're sons. Come on, somebody. God is saying, I love you in spite of you. You have position with me. You're a, fa- you're, I'm a, you're a son and I'm your father. It's another way God's revealing who he is so we can know who we are. And God just keeps peeling back the layers. And he gives us this one. Jesus says this, that he's the vine and we're the branch. Again, it might not make sense to you, but what God is saying is like this, this, this faith thing that we have going on. It's not just if you're a Jew, Saturday is the Sabbath. You just don't hook up with God and hang out with God on the Sabbath. And for us, you just don't come to church on Sunday. That if you want life 24 hours a day, you have to stay connected to the life giver 24 hours a day. What this teaches us is connection. This faith journey we're on, it's every minute of every day, every situation. We stay connected to the one who loves us, cares for us, provides for us, and is the source of everything we need. It's all about connection. God said, stay connected to me. Come on, somebody. So God just keeps showing us more. And each and every one of these, they're not contradictory, they're complementary. You can be a servant and also be a son. I serve God because he owns me, but I have position because he loves me. Are you all following me? And then he comes and he gives us this one. I could do this all day, but y'all would fall asleep, so I won't. But let me give you the one that really matters today because he steps on the scene and he gives us this one. And it runs all the way through the pages of Scripture. It runs in the Old Testament and the New for every one of us in this room. God reveals to us, hey, I'm not just God. I'm not just the owner. I'm not just your shepherd. I'm not even just your father. But God gives us this new revelation of who he is so we could have a new definition of who we are, that he's our bridegroom. And you and I, we're his bride. It's this idea that God is trying to say, listen, you can never know fully who you are until you know fully who I am. And once you figure out who I am, you can have everything I want you to have. You can walk in everything I want you to have because here's why if you're taking notes, listen, all of this. When we ignore revelation, we miss an experience. If you don't believe God is a savior, you can never be saved. But when you figure out he's a merciful savior, no matter what you've done, no matter how much you've missed the mark, I can come to God and he can save me and rescue me because that's who he is. Because God is a provider, I can come to him and God can meet my needs. Because God is a healer, I can come to him and believe for miracles. I can believe for breakthrough because God has told me who he is so I can come to him in expectation of who I am and what I can expect from him. Are you all with me today? So God is a, he's our bridegroom, which means what God is calling us to is this idea of intimacy. God doesn't want you just connected and he doesn't just want you worshiping. He just doesn't want you understanding that he's a protector and a provider. What God is calling us to in this thing called faith, in this journey called Christianity, is what God wants us to do is not just, God, you're big and you're up there, but God, you are intimate and you call me to a deep, intimate relationship with you. Think about it. God, the creator of the universe, wants to have an intimate relationship with you. 
And so if you miss part of the revelation, you miss part of what God wants for you. Imagine again in my, in my relationship with Shauna, right? Imagine if someone came up and said, hey, hey, Pastor Steve, how's your relationship with Shauna? Now, what if I told you, oh, man, she, she's such an incredible servant to me. And she is. Don't get mad. I wish you all had one like I did. You know, she makes me breakfast like three or four times a week. I wake up and breakfast is waiting for me. Oh, you better get jealous. I don't wash clothes, partly because she won't let me, but I, every, every day I wake up, I got clean clothes to put on. I don't wash them. I've got a wife who serves me, fixes my meals. I buy milk and bread at the grocery store. That's about it when she forgets or we run out. She does the grocery shopping. She serves me. Now, so it's not one-sided. I serve her. We got a, we got a rule in our house that she handles indoor and I handle outdoor work. I'm saying it's a great rule. Some, y'all don't see nobody writing that down. I'm just telling you, that's a great rule. But I serve her, right? I help with chores around the house. So what if I said, hey, how, what if someone said, hey, how's your relationship? And I said, hey, man, we serve each other. And we just don't serve, we provide for each other. Like I work hard, she works hard, and we, we meet each other's physical needs. Like we make sure we have what we need for one another. And what if someone said, hey, that's great, but what about intimacy? And I said, intimacy? What's that? Because some of you in this room, that's what you have in a marriage. You have, like, you, you work for each other, and you put paychecks in the bank, and you spend bills and pay bills together, and you, like, you, you serve each other, you clean the house together, and you do chores together. But some of you in this room, you don't have a strong, healthy, intimate marriage. It doesn't mean you're not married. I'm just telling you, you're missing a, one of the greatest, most important components of marriage, and that's intimacy. You can have a relationship with God. You can be a servant of God. You can be a child of God. But until you understand that God's called you to be his bride, you miss what God calls us to and that's intimacy. Come on, everybody shout intimacy. Intimacy, man, this is next layer in our relationship with God. You say, you say, what's this have to do with God going silent? And it's this, maybe, again, the reason God's gone silent is because we went silent first. Sometimes God's not talking because the only thing we come to him with is our needs, and we never come to him out of passion or desire to just want to be with him. And so this picture of intimacy, this picture of us being his bride, it's all the way through Scripture. You find it in the Old Testament. There's a book, an Old Testament book, Haggai, and the whole point is God's telling this prophet that God loves us like a bride. You get to the New Testament, and the Apostle Paul, he says it this way, Ephesians 5.25. Come on, every voice here, read this with me. He says, for husbands, this means love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church, and gave his life for. See, what God calls us to is, is, again, not just serving God, not just following God, not just learning from God, but one of the things that God calls us to, one of the revelations he gives that defines who we are is that we are called, man, to this level of intimacy. And there's an entire book we're going to hang out for the last few minutes of this series in a book called The Song of Solomon. Now, if you've never read the book of The Song of Solomon, it's a great book. Probably, I would guess, some of you have not read it because it's very poetic. It is a book of poetry. Um, it's uh, for the age, at least for the day it was written, it was, it was pretty scandalous. That's a great word. Very scandalous. In fact, young Jewish boys were not allowed to read this book until they were at least considered an adult, which was age 14. Some people for years debated whether this book was inspired because it was caused young men and women to lust from what's written in it. Well, some of you are like, I'm going home reading this book. <laughs> We're going to read some together, and I'll be careful not to comment with junior highish comedy, but I can't make any promises that I won't. 
So, so let me just paint the picture real quick of the book of the Song of Solomon. There's four main characters, four main characters in the book of the Song of Solomon. There's, there's the, young, the young girl. Some translations call her the Shulamite woman or the beloved. It's this young peasant girl who just wants to be loved and she's got self-esteem issues. In fact, you read right in the beginning like how much she loves this young man that we're gonna get to in a second, but she's afraid that he won't love her because she's dark from spending so much time out in the sun and she's afraid she won't be loved. It's a picture of us that like we wanna be loved by God, but we're not sure God can accept us because we got issues. Come on, somebody. And so the first character is this young lady. The second character is this young prince this young prince who passionately loves this young girl. And then there's this group of women. You, you ever notice when a girl gets up and goes to the bathroom, like eight or nine women go with her? That's them. They just go to talk about how good-looking the young prince is, and their goal is to make sure that their friend gets some love. And then there's the brothers, the brothers of the young girl, whose job is just to be a covering and to make sure that she keeps her purity until she's married. So paint the picture. Ultimately, the two main characters are this prince who loves this peasant girl. And it's so clear that the entire book is an allegory pointing to our relationship with God. And it highlights that God's not just an owner and we're, we're to serve him and God's just God and we're here to worship him. The whole point of the book of the Song of Solomon is to highlight again that God is a lover that longs to be loved by us and we long to be loved by him. In our relationship with God, sometimes it's not just us serving him. It's not just us learning from him. It's not just us following him. It's not just us worshiping. But sometimes our relationship with God is about us being in an intimate, deep, caring, loving, passionate relationship with the creator of the universe. He's our lover. And so you get in and there's three acts in the book of Song, Song of Song. There's the dating time, which things are crazy, right? Then there's, then there's the honeymoon, they get married. And then the rest of the book of the Song of Solomon is their married life together. And it records their very first fight. You don't want to know what their first fight's about? Sex. I know it should make some of you feel okay. Like truly, the, the very first fight that's recorded is that they get married and the guy wants to go into his wife. He wants to be intimate with his wife and she rejects him. And he gets mad and goes to the couch. That's not in there. I made that part up, but it's probably accurate. <laughs> we don't know where he goes, but he leaves because here's why she gives this excuse. You can read, I promise this is in the Song of Solomon chapter five. He comes in, he wants to be intimate with his bride. And again, don't forget, as I talk about, so don't forget God is the prince and we're the beloved. And God wants to come and be intimate with his bride. The king wants to come be intimate with this girl he's married. And she says, I, I can't, like I just, put my, I just put my mask on. I just put my hair up in rollers. Like I'm I've had a long day. I've got a headache. Again, I'm making this up. I'm just reading between the lines. But she basically says no. She actually says, do you really want me to get out of bed and put my robe back on and get my feet dirty again? So he gets mad. He feels rejected and leaves. And then this is said, watch this. Song of Solomon chapter five, verse six. I opened to my lover, but he was gone. Let's just hang on that first verse. I, I wanted to be in him. I changed my mind. I need to be in him. I need to meet the needs of my lover. So I changed my mind. My heart sank. And here's this, check this out. He says, I searched for him, but could not find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no reply. So 
right away, this, the writer of this book is saying like, there's part of, part of what should be in us as people who are God followers it isn't just this depth of worship and it's not just this idea of servanthood, but man, there should be this thing that we search for him because we want to find him. In fact, the theme of searching for God is throughout the entire book of the Song of Solomon. In fact, check this out. He goes on. Go all the way back to Song of Solomon, chapter three, verse one, and it says this. This is so cool. Watch this. It says, one night as I lay in bed, I yearned for my lover, and I yearned for him, but he did not come. So I said to myself, I'll get up and roam the city, searching it's all, in all its street squares. I will search for the one I love. So I searched. Everybody say searched. So I searched everywhere, but did not find him. Again, you find throughout this book this idea of searching. I just want you to know today, man, I think for a lot of us in this room, our relationship with God has become way too much of a formula. Like I get up in the morning and I read my daily bread and I say a quick prayer when I go to sleep. I, now I lay me down to sleep or I pray the Lord my soul. And I show up on Sundays and I sit in church and I listen to a message and I go home. And I think that's all great and that's a, a part of who we are and it's a part of our faith journey. But sometimes God wants you to seek him, not to get something from him, but just because of who he is. God wants us in a deep, intimate relationship with him. God wants us to seek him until we find him. God wants us just to keep on pursuing him. In fact, you go through this, watch it. It gets kind of, get kind, gets kind of scandalous. It says, the watchman stopped me as they made the rounds. Again, she's looking in the streets. Where's my lover? And, they ask, and I ask, have you seen the one I love? Watch this. This is, this is funny stuff right here. Then scarcely had I left them when I found my love. I caught and held him tightly. Then I brought him to my mother's house, into my mother's bed where I had been conceived. Don't make me break out the diagrams here, right? <laughs> you said, that's weird. Listen, we, we have a mattress in our house. We bought it a long time ago. It's a great mattress. It's so nice. We pass it on. We went from a queen, to, a queen to a king, passed the queen on to one of my kids, and we tell them on the regular, listen, how's it feel to sleep on a bed you was conceived on? What? <laughs> that's this right here. That's this right here. I know. She's like, Dad, stop. I'm just telling you the truth. <laughs> but it's this picture. Watch this. And what God is saying is, is I want to be pursued by you. I just want to be pursued by you. Jeremiah says it this way. Watch, this is so big. Jeremiah, the prophet speaking for God says, if you look for me, every voice here, read this. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And it seems like God's playing hide and seek. It's not that God doesn't want to be found by you. He wants to be looked for by you. He wants you to passionately just keep on pursuing him. He wants you just to look for him. In fact, this idea throughout scripture, God wants us to seek him. God wants us to pursue him. If you're taking notes, I would say this way. Seeking is the difference between needing, being needed and being wanted. All of us need God. God, I need a job. God, I need a, I need a spouse. God, I need a breakthrough. God, I need some help. God, I need a bill paid. God, I need some strength. God, I need some wisdom. God, I need to know what to do. And it's okay to come to God with your needs, but God doesn't want to just be the person that you need stuff from. God wants to be the person that you just love just for who he is, not for what he can do. That's what intimacy is. And so when was the last time you just spent time with God? Not because you needed something. Just because you understood, God said, hey, I'm your bridegroom and you're my bride. Let's just hang out just because we love each other. 
there's a, there's a family member in my family, and he, great guy, he can fix anything in the world. And so a lot of people call him, hey, how do you fix this? I got electrical problem, plumbing problem, car problem. Like he can just tell you how to fix anything. And so I'm close to him and I'm not afraid if something breaks, he's the first guy I call. But we have a relationship outside of that. Like I talk to him on the regular just about life. I got to spend some time with him when I was in Ohio and he said this to me and it was ironic because it really fits into what we want to talk about today. He said this, he said, there's some other people in our family. He said, you know, they only call me when, they're, when something's broke. They only call me when they need something. He said, he said, he said I, I'm okay. He said, I'll tell them. I don't mind answering the phone. I don't mind helping them. He said, but you just tell it. Just grieved his heart. And I thought about God. That God is God and we just worship him. And God is the owner and we serve him. God is the shepherd and we're a sheep. And a lot of you in this room, man, you figured that out about your relationship with God. But have you figured out yet? that he wants to be intimate with you, that he wants something more than just for us to come to him when we need something. See, as a pastor, I can be guilty of this. I've been guilty of this. I love what I get to do. I love to stand on this platform and preach God's word. And so a lot of my time with God is like, God, you got to give me something to say because I'm going to stand in front of a couple thousand people and they're expecting me to have something to say. So God, give me something to say. Let's just preach here, preach at first Wednesdays. I have opportunities to preach out. So all the time I'm looking for what's the next message. And one time years ago, God convicted me. He said, like, Steve, you treat me like a prostitute. You only come to me when you need something from me. When you have a need to be met, that's when I hear from you. When's the last time I just said, God, I'm just going to read your word because I just want to hang out with you. You don't have to give me a message. You don't have to say nothing to me. I just want to be with you. Imagine if you only talk to your wife or your husband. If something needed washed or something needed fixed. Because a lot of us in this room, we only treat God as just God. And he is. But he's also our beloved. He's also our bridegroom. And we're missing a great experience if we don't embrace that revelation. James, he says it this way. We'll get ready to close. James says this. He says, come close to God and God will come close to you. I want you to notice who it starts with. It starts with you and I saying, I'm just not content with what I have. I'm going to get closer to God than I've ever been. I just want to get closer. I just, I just want to experience him. So Pastor Caleb, he, uh, he preached the message just this past Wednesday on kind of the same idea, seeking God. And he said, we seek God simply through reading God's word, through prayer, through fasting. I would add on, man, we do it through just worship. But at the end of the day, here's how the Song of Solomon ends. You can check it out on your own. It doesn't really end. It kind of winds down in Song of Solomon chapter 8, and it says, it says, who can quench love? Like can all the rivers, it's like a mighty fire. Can all the waters, all the rivers quench this love? And like it just fades out. It's like, like my marriage, like I'm, tomorrow I'm going to wake up and be married. And the day after that, and next week, and next, it's like love doesn't end. It just goes on. So here, part of my goal here, if you haven't figured this out, is I want to make what I preach very plain. So you go home and you know exactly what to do and how to apply it. I can't do it this message. Like you're like, pastor, tell me like, okay, what do I do? I can't. Because if I do it, I'll just make it a formula. If I just give you three things to do, you'll go do the three things and it just becomes a formula. 
I'm just telling you, just, just love, just fall in love with God and just want to be with him. And you will find out that there's another, there's another level, there's another element to who God is. And you can live life and you can be a believer and you can go to heaven without ever discovering this element. But you'll miss some of the best there is to know about God until you find out that he's also our lover. He's also our bridegroom. And so I just want to challenge you to push in. If God is silent, maybe it's because you went silent first. And so just tell him. Tell him how you feel. Just spend some time worshiping for how awesome he is. The same way you'd love your spouse. Spend time loving him and watch how he responds in return. Father, I love you. I pray, God, today that you would help, Father, to make this word very relevant and practical to our lives. God, you have spend so much time in your words showing us who you are. God, help us to see it and to respond to it. All of us long to be loved and you're no exception. And so, Father, help us, not just as your creation, as not just as your servants, but Lord, as your bride, help us to love you passionately because that's what you long for, for you and for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed, said amen. Come on, can we honor God today? God bless you guys. We'll see you next week for Dad Fest.